Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Today, I have Mike Castellino here with me today. He's an expert in sales, and we're going to talk all kinds of interesting stuff to help you grow your sales career, get more revenue. Uh, Michael, welcome to the program. Mar, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, brilliant. Uh, so a lot of people struggle with getting conversations with the right people. They're like, Umar, once I get there, I'm brilliant. I'm not sure if they are or not, but that's their illusion. But let's help them get in front of the right person, especially in this virtual world, where I think it's opened up some amazing opportunities for connection. And it's shut some other doors, but it's messed with the psyche of a lot of salespeople. So let's help them do better. Absolutely. Again, a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, I hate sales. I'm bad at it. It's not that. It's the psyche. So it's the mindset of, oh, I have to be a salesperson. And it's that perceived notion of that these cars are professional, where they're aggressive or sneaky or sleazy. And no one wants to be seen like that. So we're going to jump into a couple of different ideas around your psyche around some behaviors that you can do just to be yourself, right? You have a passion in your product or service and you want to grow it, but sometimes you have limited beliefs. And then we'll talk maybe a technique or two that might be able to be able to implement it as soon as you're done listening to this podcast. Or during. Uh, so uh, uh, many moons ago, I, I, I love it. Many moons ago, I used to run the family business was a video store where you would rent video cassettes and you had to pay a hundred dollar membership to join. And the guy that sold me Hitachi equipment, he was their uh, sales manager and he would come in. And what was interesting was he was also a part-time appliance salesperson at, at a local store. And he turned out to be the number one sales guy for Hitachi and the number one sales guy, even though he worked part-time for the appliance store. And the reason I mention it, he was the nicest human being you ever met. Before that, I thought I was, you know, like maybe 18 or 19. Salespeople are pushy, they're sleazy, and this guy was uh, amazing and generous and connected. And all of a sudden, I went, "Huh, you could be the number one sales guy and be kind of a introvert and laid back and just share information and get stuff done." Oh, absolutely. And I think it all starts with your mindset. Is do you believe that you're bothering someone, or do you believe that you're helping someone? Those are two different things I'm dealing with a lot in this virtual world where some people have gone through a lot of you know, trials and tribulations over these last 12 months. They don't want to bother anyone. So and let me ask you this question. That. So I always ask. Oh, so let me ask a question. So you probably have a lot of people coming in. And when you talk to them, like, you know, when you provide the solution, are you really helping? And they're like, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I'm helping. And they're so thankful. But yet they still get this notion, even though they know they're going to help. They still have this mindset that I'm bothering. So the I'm bothering is based in bullshit, but yet it's real to them. So so walk me oh, through yeah. that. So it's a limited belief, Omar. It's the idea of they've received calls. They've had pushy sales professionals in front of them, and they don't want to mirror that image. So they, they fear that that's what they're doing versus just being candid. 
always giving the person in front of them the ability to say, I'm not interested. So going in with a good technique and not being pushed, just being like you mentioned, the person at the video store, you know, calm, you know, precise, you know, the relatable person, that's key. So going in, making sure that, you know, typical technique is, hey, we might not be a good fit. At the end of this conversation, are you comfortable telling me that? That little piece right there lowers the effective filter. It's no longer I'm trying to sell you. It's I'm trying to listen to you. Do you have a challenge or something that I can solve? If I do, maybe we could do business together. Keyword maybe. We don't even know yet. If you don't, well, we can shake hands, part friends, or we could help each other in a professional way because it's not about trying to, I hate the terminology, sell ice to Eskimos. I, I think- and they probably need it because, you know, who wants to eat, put snow in their drinks? They need a freaking ice machine. So agreed. And I think very much, uh, how do you get people telling them that and actually getting them to feel comfortable doing it are two different things. So walk me through a specific client. Yeah, you can use their first name. You know, when Judy came in, this is what she was doing. And this is what we did over X amount of time to get her to be able to execute in that way. Sure. So I'll say Jane for the fun part of it is came in first conversation with me is Mike, I don't want to be a saleswoman. I hate that idea. Over the course of several months, you know, I do training every single week for an hour and a half is we started first and foremost with the mindset. You're not bothering anyone. You're helping them. That right there triggered the, Oh, all right. Well, I never thought about it that way. And then over the next couple of weeks, we started to feather in, well, how do you reach out in a professional manner? So how do you do a pattern interrupt when you are reaching? Cause again, are you reaching out cold or are you reaching out warm? And two completely different conversations there, but the same recipe. So you start with some type of pattern interrupt. Did I catch it at a bad time? You know, you don't say, did I catch it at a good time? Or, hey, it's Mike Stiglione with Sandler Training. And go into a sales pitch because the effective filter now goes up. Oh, absolutely. So you start, so you start with a little pattern interrupt. She started doing, did I catch it at a bad time? And having these just genuine two to three minute conversations. And it's the trickle over time. She realized that, you know, it wasn't as aggressive as she thought it was. Right. So let's break down what you just said. So let's say we use that phrase, uh, am, I, am I interrupting you? What was the exact phrase? Can I catch it a bad time? We did want I to catch say that. Cause... A bad time? Hold on for a minute. So if you said that and the person says, yes, you did, then what? Is there a better time to connect? You know, then you can have a conversation. Most people, so Umar, the, the idea behind it is the psychology of humans were pre-programmed to say no. So did I catch it at a good time? Am I, you know, am I bothering you? No. So that kind of shuts down the conversation. Did I catch it at a bad time? No. 99% of people say no. So now you're into a conversation. So that's nice. the psychology of being different at an interrupt. I like it. And I, even if they say that uh, not now, the conversation around when is good. And then they're obviously going to ask, what's this about, Mike? And then you get to give them a little bit of taste what it's so about. Not yet. So first you ask for permission. When's the last time a sales professional asked permission from you on a call? So Never. Umar, can I take 20 seconds to tell you why I called? You can decide if we should keep talking. It's not a, I'm going to steamroll for the next 90 seconds telling you all these things that we do. And the person isn't listening. They're thinking of a way. They don't want to be rude. So they don't want to hang up. So it's first and foremost, a pattern interrupt, then permission. Can I take 20 seconds 
right. tell you while I called, you can decide if we should keep talking. Most people then say, That's yeah, fair. go ahead. Now, now you're into a conversation. You take 20 seconds. You talk about who you work with, not what you do. So you talk about frustrations, emotional triggers that you can solve. So in my world, it would be those who are frustrated with not getting in front of enough new qualified prospects. I don't say, well, we do this ongoing reinforced training that can have ROI of 10x over. No, no one wants to be sold. They want to see if they resonate with someone and people. So you talk about, yeah, you talk about who you work with. And then if they say, no, none of those resonate with me. So you have a call to action at the end when you're done with your 20 seconds. Do any of those resonate with you? And if they say, no, not at all, <laughs> you can have a, a quick, well, seems like you're doing perfect. Do you have any challenges? And, and then they're not a good prospect. And here's one more little tidbit is when you're done with that, most people aren't going to need your service. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows 200 people on their phone knows by heart, you know, Omar, anyone, in, now that you know a little bit more of what we do. Is there anyone in your world that might make sense to connect me with? All right. So let's pause there just for a second. That's absolutely brilliant. And how many people go, you know, I do. Like what percentage of people kind of go, yeah, I think I know someone. In the cold world where I'm outreaching cold? Yeah. Maybe three out of a hundred. Maybe three out of a hundred. But I make a lot of calls. But it's three three more than you would have gotten. Exactly. 52 weeks in a year, that's 152 yeses. So over the course of a year, that's a lot of... I I can actually see that conversation. It's like, you know, uh, hey, Michael, my name's Umar. I was talking to John and he wanted to hang up on me. But when he figured out what I was doing, he thought, you know, we should talk because it could help you. And it would just warm up that call so much. And that's what business is all about. It's about relationships. It's not transactional. You're not trying to, you know, it's not the used car sales professional trying to just make a quick decision. It's relational. It's converse. People do business with people they like and people they trust. So it starts to exactly what you just said, warm up that conversation. And then it just continues to feather on into the future. They may not need you, but then you finish the conversation. Hey, anyone in your world value a conversation with me. And as you continue to grow that, you do the behaviors every single day, week, month. Over the course of the year, you're extremely successful. And that's what people forget. They focus on the sales, not on the behaviors. So let's talk about that. Uh, You coach a lot of people. And one of the things that's really difficult to do is to get people to consistently, passionately do a particular activity uh, over time. So it just becomes a pattern in what they do. And going from, oh, that sounds like a good idea, and doing it for like, uh, a week to actually doing it. So how do you get people think of someone specific that you nurtured into really adopting one of those behaviors in sales and what the results were? So again, I'll go back to my example with Jane is the same idea as we started with the psychology. We started then also with behaviors. So it's just a matter of, it's not about, did you achieve it? You know, it's like you, you know, get wrapped on the knuckles. It's not punitive like that. You set a goal and you track every single day. We create what's called a cookbook. Nice. It's a little document that you track every single day, reflect once a week. So as you look at back at the week, life happens. 
right? A, a customer calls, they took up half your day. You didn't get everything done. But the next day you had a couple extra hours, so you you were able to get close to your goals. So it's all about the duration over time, the behaviors over time. Absolutely. So you track every day, reflect once a week, and analyze once a month. So at the end of the month, what did it result in? Did you get conversations that were meaningful? That's my major metrics. It's not about sales. Sales will come. But did I have enough meaningful conversations to reach my goals? And then as you go month to month, you don't all of a sudden drastically pivot. You say, all right, these behaviors are working. Let me keep doing them. These aren't. Why not? Because let's be honest, Umar, everything does work. You just have to figure out how. And if, you know, you're spending way too much time doing like emails or, you know, what I find is a lot of people do productive procrastination. Yes. So they're, on, they're on LinkedIn, but they're just doing research. You shouldn't do much more than 30, 60 seconds research on a cold outreach. You know, you should know who they are, what industry they're in, and maybe the size of the organization. Other than that, you're just spending way too much time doing productive procrastination. And the other two things I'd add to it is uh, LinkedIn always lets you know if you're connected to anybody that they are. That always helps. Say, hey, uh, you know Michael as well. They're like, oh, yeah, I hate that guy or whatever. And uh, two, if there's any uh, form of connection, so if they went to uh, Purdue and your nephew went to Purdue, even though it's not you, that's enough to make a connection. And you don't need to spend, you know, 23 minutes researching, just do a quick scan down where they went to school, where they worked and a couple of extra things. And one of those nuggets can help you connect because I've been on calls where it's like, oh, you worked for Hewlett Packard. I did some consulting for them. Then all of a sudden the whole tone of the conversation changed to warmth. It's like, really, where did you work? And then before you know it, we're best buddies and uh, we're moving forward. Yeah, you, you've warmed it up, and now you can have a genuine conversation because that's what it's about anyways. It's about trying to understand who they are. You can start asking some good questions. The effective filter is a lot lower, and then you can start to qualify. Does it make sense to even move forward or not? Right. The idea of most of these calls is not to get a sale. It's to get a conversation. And Absolutely. then once you just be yourself, you know, going back to that sales professional at the, the video store, they were just themselves. They were calm. They were cool. They weren't pushy and aggressive. So it's about getting to that point. And that's what a lot of new businesses and businesses who struggle with sales is they, they're very desperate. They're only prospecting when they need business. I'm not sure if you've heard this expression before. I heard it for the first time about two months ago. Somebody had mentioned quota breath, that when you're <laughs> desperate, customers can yeah. sense. It's like, oh, wait a minute. No, no, back away, buddy. You got quota breath. It's, it's 100% true. Because people, it's the ebbs and flows of sales. So when you know there is a downturn, people are now aggressive. I need to pay the bills. I need to pay you know the everything that's coming up. So now they're much more aggressive. Is not a good tactic. You know, consistency over time. You know, desperation is a terrible odor, and people smell it a mile away. And then that's where you're selling them. But I can save you. I can do this. I can do all. Why aren't you working? No one wants to be sold. It's human psychology. You try and push and you try and sell, people sell push right back to you. And they're like, nope, not interested. So that's why you do the behaviors over time that even when you are flush with business, if you still do those behaviors, that's where you can be that calm, cool, collective person that yourself because you don't need it. And that's huge. So let me ask you a question because 
this happens for a lot of salespeople. At the beginning of the month, they hit their numbers and then consciously or unconsciously, they take their foot off the gas. And sales managers are pulling their hair out. Uh, I see it's already happened to you. Uh, and they're uh, trying to figure out how on earth do we get these people to continue? Because there is going to be a time where there's going to be uh, famine. And if you've got those behaviors of continually prospecting, then it's no biggie because A, you're not going to have a famine. And B, you're doing it anyway. Good times, bad times. It's just a part of who you are. So the person who kind of stops after the first couple of weeks, we call them an at-leaster. So there's winners, there's at-leasters, and then there's non-winners. That's the PC version. And, you know, winners, they're going to continue to plow through their goals. So once they get them, they're going to try and get to the next level. At-leasters and non-winners, as soon as they reach their goal, they're going to put it in cruise control. That's where the behaviors come in. First and foremost, calling it out, right? Because in the old world, if you're putting your, your, the metrics on the sales, well, that person gets an attaboy. Well, attaboy, pat, pat you on the back and keep on, you know, enjoy the next couple of weeks. But if you put the focus on the behaviors, it's like you did the great behaviors and keep doing them. So as the month goes on, you can increase that quota. And then look on the other side of the spectrum. It's not a discipline when you don't get your sales. It's are you doing your behaviors? What's going on? Let's talk through some of the challenges. You know, are you getting those conversations? And if you're not, what are the obstacles? If you are and you're still not getting the quota, well, why not? Are they not the right people? So do we need to kind of reanalyze where you're fishing to have better conversations with better prospects? I was talking with a friend of mine. He runs this company. And uh, they had this new software that came in that records sales conversations. And it also records the per sales rep with the webcam during the call. And they had a revolt in the organization, like, how dare you, big brother, what are you doing? Because they screwed up on the uh, description of what they were trying to achieve. Then they finally said, okay, we screwed this up. This is what we want you to do is we want to record all these calls and you, Mr. Salesperson, at uh, the end of the week, I want you to come to your manager and come with two calls in mind. One is going to be one where things went really, really well. And we'll listen to that call and we'll give you some feedback and maybe capture some best practices that other people are not doing. And the call that went sideways, instead of you coming a week later, I was on the call, I went sideways. Uh, what happened? Uh, I think this happened. You and your manager listen to that call and then you tweak what needs tweaking to do better. And everyone's paychecks went up because on the calls that went sideways, their manager could figure out what went wrong and help them. And the nice thing was the salesperson got to uh, pick their two calls, a winner call and a struggling call. And it became something that bonded the team together. So don't see your sales manager as the enemy and see them as uh, you know your best coach. And for sales managers, don't be a dick. It's not your job to like rub people's nose in it. It's like, how do I get the best performance out of Jane is what we're looking for. Well, Mark, some, some managers, they're just following a script. They're following a procedure and a rule that they didn't know how to lead. So yes. the idea of being big brother, it happens, especially for those sales professionals who have scripts to read. And yes. it's the worst thing you can do because we're not robots. We're humans. We want to talk to people. So when you analyze a, a call based on did they stick to the script, there's so many things that can go wrong there versus, you know, what are some of the word choices that you're using? Are you listening? Are you asking good questions? Are you moving them through your conversation and not talking at them? 
So those are the things where people learn. And I'll even add for those sales managers who are out there listening is do you role play? It's one thing to talk about what they did, but just like athletes, do we practice before game time or are you using sales calls as practice? So you should be role playing with your team. So if you do a Monday morning huddle or a Friday afternoon debrief, you know, to, to put in two to three minimum role plays of the situations you're hearing in the field, let's talk them out. Now let's actually, you know, Jane and Joe, let's get you obviously through Zoom right now. We'll put you on the spotlight and we'll let you two practice, put you into breakout rooms. If you have a large team of, you know, five yeah, absolutely. let them practice because when you get in front of your prospects and or clients, that's not when you should be trying new stuff. You should be trying it in the, in the practice, which is your sales huddles and your team meetings. Absolutely. And when you get the practice done right and you're really, really rock solid comfortable, Things can go sideways that were unexpected and you don't lose your cool because you're grounded in what the material is. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, sure. Let's go there. And uh, well, Mar, it's not a matter of if, but when things go sideways, absolutely, right? we can never get a script to a prospect and say, hey, just read off this and then eventually give me your credit card. Like That's silly. Like we have no idea what they're going to say. You know, and it, one of the, some of the biggest ones I've ever received is, Oh, well, that person has passed away who you're talking about. Or this person, and it's like, whoa, what do you say to that? You know, oh, look, let me uh, go on with myself. No, you implore empathy. You listen. You have a conversation. Yeah. You see if it's even right to have this conversation right now because of what just happened. But if you plow through and you don't listen and, you know, you're just a robot. So I want to tell you about this girl that I hate. So okay. I play squash and uh, I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, mediocre at it, but it's joyous and it's fun. They have a great workout. And this uh, young girl, cause it's got to be like 14. And I see her in the squash court and she's just hitting from one side of the wall to the other, just practicing and practicing and practicing. And she's going to be world-class someday. And that does not come from uh, doing the sport like me, just having fun and goofing off now and then. So this is somebody dedicated. No matter what your craft is, you got to put in the work, because uh, one of the quotes I like is, you know, success is a matter of luck. Ask any loser. And the other side of that coin is, you know, uh, when you work hard, you create luck. You create your own luck through that hard work, that dedication. So role play essential. And uh, great teams that do great work. I've got a real estate client that they do role playing every single morning. They all know how to do what they do but they still role play every single freaking morning. And that's why they're spectacular at what they do. You got to stay sharp. If you don't use it, you lose it. And as soon as you think that you can start coasting is when you're not at the top of your game. So if you're doing well, and for the managers out there who have those ace, eight players and who are doing, just think they could be better. Everyone can be better. And if they're coasting and they're cruising and they're kind of just, They've got their, their territory. They know what their sales are going to be. They could be increasing 10, 20, 30% on the regular if they're, they're held accountable in the right way. And it's, again, it's not big brother. It's not pointing the finger and wagging saying, you have to do this. It's let's collaborate. Let's talk about realistic metrics. Are you doing the behaviors? You know, are you doing them every, and what happens is and those who are listening are probably like, yep, that's me is in the beginning, you're hungry. You don't have a book of business. So you're pounding the pavement. You're, you're dialing for dollars. But then you get those relationships. So you shift to the second tier. 
which is more relationship management than conversation. And you stop doing that. You know, some of the best sales professionals I know, even though they've been doing it 25, 35 years, they still make five cold dials a day. It's not a lot, but they still keep that craft present. Yeah, absolutely. And it so, helps them to grow over time. So there's a friend of mine, his name is VJ, and VJ is a financial planner. And if you're really, really good, you get to go to the million dollar round table. And if you're spectacular, you get at the uh, top 1% worldwide. And so when he started, he still prospects every single day, but his wife was telling me a story that uh, he had made himself a promise to actually do presentations every single day. And there was a snowstorm and nothing was moving. He couldn't drive his car. So he actually walked to a freaking firehouse because they couldn't leave either. And he went in and he did a presentation to a bunch of firefighters. That's the level of dedication you need. And uh, Michael, it was a joyous conversation with you today. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Umar, it's been a pleasure. Happy to be here. Brilliant. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 